Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. To slander someone created in God's image is tantamount to blaspheming God, which deserves death. It's, it's like murder. It is murder. That's how strong this is. I I want you to see that we're not talking about, well, I just told a white lie, whatever that may mean. I just exaggerated. God says that you deserve death. It's murder. It's not like murder. It is murder. It is murder. Two men on a large ocean-going vessel did not like each other, the captain and the mate. One day, the mate, who normally did not drink, got drunk and the captain found out. The captain wrote in the log that day, mate drunk today. The mate realized that the captain reported his rare infraction in the log simply to damage his career. He begged the captain to remove the report from the log. The captain said, it's a fact and it stays in the log. Several days later, the mate was on the bridge and writing up the day's events in the log. At the end of his entry for the day, he wrote, captain sober today. Realizing the implications of the log entry, the captain asked the mate to remove it. The mate replied, it's a fact and it stays in the log. This is Verse by Verse, a daily radio Bible class taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. What the captain and the mate wrote in the ship's log was technically true, but it was also misleading and malicious. We might enjoy the story because it satisfies our natural desire for revenge. But lying is a sin, and it is an ugly one. It is one of several sins of the tongue that Pastor Steve is considering in this series of lessons on the battle for holiness. Our text is from Colossians chapter 3. In these verses, the Apostle Paul gave us some great truths about the importance of holy living, what it looks like, and how we can live lives pleasing to God. Our society not only condones, but even encourages many actions and attitudes that God hates. As I said, lying is not the only one. We'll look at four of them today, so get your Bible if you can. Class is about to begin. Here's Pastor Steve. Secondly, Paul says to lay these sins aside, which means that we can do it. God doesn't tell a believer to do anything that he's incapable of doing. Uh, there are, and what that means is there are no excuses for anger. And we all have excuses that, that we think justify it. For example, I just explode and then everything is all right. No, it's not all right. Well, I just get it out of my system. Yeah, but you dumped on someone else. It's a sin. You may feel good about it, which is neither here nor there how you feel, but you've just sinned. But there's an excuse. Well, I just explode and then, and then I'm fine. Yeah, but that person you exploded to isn't fine. And you grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm just fiery by personality. You know, I have that kind of ethnic genetic makeup, and uh, that's just me. My parents were like that. My grandparents were like that. It'll never change. It better change if you're a believer or you're grieving the Spirit of God. 
you, yeah, you have a genetic makeup. You're, you're called a sinner. That's your genetic makeup. Yeah, it's your grandparents going back to Adam and Eve. That's the problem. But so don't, don't pass it off on uh, what color hair you have, what genetic makeup you have, what your parents were like, your grandparents. Uh, that, that's an excuse. I don't mean anything by it. What does that mean? I don't mean anything by it. But that's an excuse. Yeah, person, I don't mean anything by it. It's just the way I am. Well, change. Because God says it. I may have a, a short fuse, but I don't hold any grudges. Well, good for you. I have a short, I have a short, I don't hold any grudges. What does that mean? Uh, what it means is I'm trying to justify my sin of anger. And that's all it means. No excuses. If you're going to obey this portion of Scripture, just eliminate every single excuse. Well, someone yells back at me. So what does that mean? It means that they've sinned too. They'll answer to the Lord for it. You are standing before God and he's speaking to you and telling you what to do about your sin. It's not anybody else's problem. It's your sin. If they choose to disobey God, then they choose to and they'll answer to the Lord. You have to be determined to obey Christ and uh, and and that's it. So first, what we're going to do is we're going to look at each sin that Paul lists. And these are these are not exhaustive. It's not an exhaustive list. And then we'll give some practical ways to put these sins aside. So first of all, he says in verse 8, he says to put aside anger. Anger, what, is, what does that mean? This word doesn't simply mean to be annoyed. That's not what the word means at all. But it is a burning anger. The Greek word uh, is an inner anger. It's the same word used in verse 6 of God's wrath. It's anger with the intensity of fire. It is a burning, smoldering anger beneath the surface. It is a settled heart anger, smoldering hatred. Ephesians chapter 4, which is, by the way, a parallel passage of Colossians 3. In many ways, Ephesians verse 431 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. There's no place in the believer's life for this. James chapter 1 Verse 19 speaks about man's anger. James 1, verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Anger. It is an, it is an inner, it is, it is beneath the surface. There are some people who uh, they may not be quick to express the anger, but they're always doing a slow burn. That's what this, that's what this word is. In fact, uh, it's just beneath the surface, and if you happen to hit a nerve, it pops out. And that's the second word, wrath. Wrath. Uh, wrath comes from anger. It is an explosion, explosion because of, of it's being built up inside. It's so great, and you happen to come along and say something, and boom. You get it. It's explosion. Wrath means a sudden outburst of anger. The thought is that of rage. Rage. When we speak of someone exploding in anger, this is what that Greek word means. And in fact, it's used very interesting in, uh, in the New Testament. It is used in Luke chapter 4, verse 28, when Jesus went back to Nazareth and began to tell them that he was the Messiah. And then uh, they, they had a problem with that. And then he started telling them God's blessings upon uh Gentiles as opposed to Jewish people, and uh, they were enraged. They wanted to throw them off the cliff. That's the very word that's used. It's a, it's explosive outburst. It's also the very Greek word used in Acts chapter 19, verse 28, when Paul at Ephesus 
was so successful in preaching the gospel, they got the message that that the uh, tradesmen were very annoyed because people, if they followed Christianity, would not buy their little idols that they that they made and sold, and they were enraged at Paul. It, it was explosive. They wanted to kill Paul. They wanted to kill Jesus. That's the word here. It's what we would call someone who had a temper tantrum. That's that's the thought. Furious. It would describe a quick-tempered individual. It would be wrath. The third word that Paul uses is malice. This word means a bad attitude. It's basically a bad attitude that is determined to do harm to another person. It isn't just attitude. It's an attitude of ill will towards another person. It's a vicious disposition. It's that, that spirit of getting even. Of getting even. It's a person who says, I don't just get mad, I get even. That's malice. In other words, it's the evil inclination of the mind, the kind of mind that plans to do evil to another person. That's malice. That's what we call being malicious. The fourth word that Paul uses is slander. This is to insult a person. This is uh, now we're moving from attitudes to speech because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So slander, this is to insult a person. Uh, it, it is a harmful speech, speech that tears another person down. To speak evil of someone would be to slander. Instead of biblically resolving this conflict, it, uh, we insult the other person we have a conflict with. That's what slander is. It's also, by the way, the same Greek word that we would translate to blaspheme God. It's to blaspheme God, but when it's used of individuals, it, it speaks, it's better translated slander. It's hard to exactly blaspheme another individual. So, uh, but, but you get the point. Speaking ill of God would be blaspheme. Speaking blasphemy, speaking ill of someone else would be slander, another individual. Then Paul says, well, well let's look at this slander, by the way. Ephesians chapter 4. Once again, see what the apostle says in verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. That word unwholesome would, would come, slander would come under that. It means rotten, corrupt. Uh, like rotting fruit, good for nothing. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. So Paul in this context is is saying, don't use speech that would tear down, but build up. And how do you know what speech builds up? Well, because of the need of the moment. You know people and you know what what they need and give them encouraging words. Let all bitterness and wrath and clamor and slander be put away from you. He says in verse 31, but go back to verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That is to say that slander and these attitudes absolutely grieve the Spirit of God. That's a heavy thought. We're grieving the Holy Spirit. Why? Because this is not holy. It's unholy. Popular, but unholy. And then Paul says abusive speech. Abusive speech, slander moves into it. In fact, it all moves along. But abusive speech is just filthy talk. When we some, say someone is foul-mouthed, that's what we mean. Uh, in today's language, we would say they're cursing. Uh, it's dirty talk. It's, it's cursing someone. Uh, I understand about that. Um, I, was, I was raised in Brooklyn, New York. And um, until I was converted, you could say I, I knew gutter talk. And uh, I'm ashamed of it, but I very much understand what abusive speech is. In fact, I was accused of corrupting a whole Jewish camp. That's right. That's right. Uh, I'm not proud of that, but I understand when Paul speaks about it. And one of the first things that God convicted me 
of after I came to Christ was abusive speech. But this is obscene, derogatory speech. It's designed to hurt someone. Designed to hurt someone. Uh, There is no place in the Christian life for this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4. There must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but, but rather giving of thanks. So be grateful to God. Don't don't curse. Don't curse. Now, then he goes on. If you look at verse nine, which just continues it. Verse nine says, do not lie to one another. Do not lie to one another. Now, what does it mean to lie? I think sometimes we mistake lying. Maybe young people in particular mistake lying. Uh, Lying is when you purposely misrepresent the truth. It's not an honest mistake. If you say to me uh, during the week, what what time is it? And I say it's four o'clock, but my watch broke and it's really five o'clock. That's not a lie. That's not a lie. It's just an honest mistake. There, There no intention to be deceptive or to mislead you. Lying is the intention of, the, of, of the, the heart to deceive. But notice Paul says, do not lie to one another, which means he's talking about believers now. He's talking about how you treat one another. He's talking about getting dressed for church. And the reason this is important is that some of us would say, well, yeah, I, I wouldn't obviously speak to a non-Christian this way and ruin my testimony. But we might feel a certain freedom to speak like this to one another, because, well, he understands part of the church family or even within our own physical families. We might speak. Parents might speak to their children like they would not speak to anybody else. Children might speak to their parents like they would never speak to anybody else. Uh, certain familiarity. But Paul is saying here, don't do this towards one another, towards one another. It, it's all wrong. And I think that's that's important to understand. Now, uh, lying has infected the whole human race. We are naturally liars. It comes so easy to us. Uh, a pastor was once speaking to a congregation about the lies of Ananias and Sapphira. Remember that? They lied and God struck them dead in, in judgment. And he asked this question, if God still struck people dead for lying, where would I be? And they all snickered like uh, like you are right now or thinking and laughing. But soon those smiles disappeared. When the pastor shouted, I'd be right here preaching to an empty church. That's that's where I'd be. Actually, the truth of the matter is nobody would be there speaking to church. We'd, we'd all be gone. But uh, sometimes it's easy to think that others are lying, but but not not me. Uh, you read the early chapters of, of just Genesis and see how people are inclined to, to lie. Cain lied to, to God. Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know where he is. You killed him. Lied to God. Uh, Abraham lied, said that Sarah was his sister. He wanted to save his skin. Sarah lied to the angels uh, that she was laughing. She said, I wasn't laughing. Sarah was laughing. Uh, it goes on. Abraham, by the way, lied again. Uh, Rebecca and Jacob deceived Isaac. And, you know, we are a, we live in a world of lying. If you watch any kind of television, I ask this question, all the sitcoms that you've watched, does anybody tell the truth until right at the end when they get caught? I've noticed a pattern in TV sitcoms. Uh, everybody lies, and then they finally get caught at the end, and they fess up. That's not really repentance. That's just, you know, I got caught putting my hands in the cookie jar, and so I'm, I'm really sorry you caught me because it didn't turn out well. And, you know, you might think, yeah, this present generation, I want you to know it goes way back to I love Lucy. 
That's right. I thought about it this week because I thought some of you are sitting there saying, yeah, television's so bad. I don't know why young people watch it. You watch the old I Love Lucy programs and you can see every week she lied. In fact, there's one episode in which the whole thing is censored around. Can Lucy tell the truth? Uh, it's just it's just infected all of us. That was the whole thing with Lucy. She lied to, to everybody except Ethel. And then... Ricky would catch her at the end. She said, oh, Ricky, I'm sorry. They would make up and then it would be all, everything is fine and forgotten and they'd entertain us the next week with that. It's just a world gone mad with lying. God says to put it out of your life. In fact, lying comes so easily. It's just satanic. And you need to understand that. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 44, he said, Satan is a murderer and he is a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. He lies. He just lies, which means, by the way, that there's some truth within the lying. It's deceptiveness. In contrast to that, Paul said in Titus chapter one, verse two, God who cannot lie. You might say, is there something God is incapable of? Yes, he's incapable of lying. God cannot do everything. He cannot sin. He cannot lie. Jesus said that he was the way, the truth and the life. You are never more like Satan than when you are lying. You are never more like God than when you are telling the truth. It is his character. Tell the truth regardless of the consequences. So these are the sins of hatred and speech that that we are to lay aside. But the question is how? How do we get victory over our anger and bitterness? Jealousy would come into this whole thing. And bad attitudes and nasty tongues. Well, let let me give you some help on this. Because we don't want to just tell you do this. but, But how? Number one, first of all, realize how serious these sins are. I don't think we realize how serious they are, how serious they are to God. And we don't realize it because everybody seems to be doing it. I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five. I want you to see how serious Jesus said it really is. In Matthew chapter five, in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord is dealing with attitudes of the heart, not simply external stuff, but attitudes of the heart. Matthew chapter five, verse 21. He says, you have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. Now, what Jesus is saying is that the traditional rabbinical teaching of the law is that you uh, you you shall not murder, meaning that they thought that all that meant is you don't take a knife and kill somebody. You don't take a stone and stone them. You don't physically execute someone. You don't physically murder them. He said that's If you do that, that you're liable to the court. And that's what the rabbis have taught. He said, but I said to you, I'm going to tell you what God's original meaning and continued meaning of that of that uh, commandment is. That everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever will say to his brother, Raka, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever shall say, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the hell of fire. And Jesus taught that the sin of anger was the same as the sin of murder. The sin of murder, because anger and hatred lie at the heart of murder, right? Nobody ever murdered somebody because they were feeling good about them. Now, we have to be be careful and fair in this. No one was ever executed for anger. But God says, as far as he is concerned, that, that the law requires judgment for anger because in his eyes, it's murder. Now, it's not in society's eyes. You, you won't be thrown in jail for just getting angry in your heart at somebody, but we're talking about what God says. And then Jesus said, he went on to speak about Raqqa. Now that would mean nothing to us if you didn't know that Raqqa was an Aramaic word 
that was an expression of contempt. In today's language, it would be call, it would be like calling someone a a stupid idiot, uh, and, and even worse, it was a, it was to slander them and and character assassination. It was to slander their intelligence. Jesus went on to say, even if you call someone a fool. You're guilty of hell. That's strong language. What does that mean? Well, in Christ's day, to call someone a fool didn't mean, oh, you're so silly. You're so foolish. What he meant was you're a godless apostate who deserves hell. So it'd be tantamount to us saying you ought to go to hell. That that would be that. That that would be equivalent of that. That's that's strong language. That's strong language. That, those are attitudes of hatred, and God says it's murder. Now, if you uh, can, you turn to Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. I want to read to you. Right after the flood, God instituted capital punishment, which in God's economy continues to this day, even if our society is not obedient to that. But God said in Genesis 9, 6, he gave the reason for capital punishment. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. And here's the reason. For in the image of God, he made man. God explains why he instituted the death penalty, because man was made in his image. Therefore, to, to take a human life was a direct attack on the sacredness of God's image. That's, that's what it was about. That's still what it's about. Well, in James chapter 3, verse 9, James talks about the sins of the tongue, the sins of, of evil speech. And he says in chapter 3, verse 9, with it, meaning with our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. To slander someone created in God's image is tantamount to blaspheming God, which deserves death. It's, it's like murder. It is murder. That's how strong this is. I, I want you to see that we're not talking about, well, I just told a white lie, whatever that may mean. I just exaggerated. God says that you you deserve death. It's murder. It's not like murder. It is murder. It is murder. So that's number one to keep in mind. Now, the second point is, since this sin is so serious, I mean, anger is murder. If it's so serious, then how do we deal with it? Well, what you need to do is don't let your conflicts and disagreements reach a point where you're boiling inside and then you explode where it turns into bitterness and rage. Uh, in fact, we go back to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus went on to say, he gave, he gave a way of dealing with anger before it became serious stuff. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, if therefore you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that, you, that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar, go your way, first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering offering. In other words, if you're worshiping here at Lakeside and you're in the middle of worship and God brings to your mind the fact that you have sinned against someone, you have wronged them, then stop your worship. God doesn't accept it anyway. Stop your worship, get up and go and get that taken care of. And then you can resume your, your worship. Deal with it before it escalates. Before it escalates. That's what, that's what he's saying. Then go and, and take care of it. In other words, you go to somebody and it's so important that God wants us to be reconciled with one another before things blow up. You go and you say, brother, sister, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I, I, you know, just be honest. 
Don't make an excuse. I've sinned against you. You say, but that's so humbling. Exactly. Humble yourself. Ask for forgiveness. And you must take the initiative. You must take the initiative and go to them if you've sinned against them. But some people want to excuse and say, oh, it'll be all right. No, it won't be all right. You'll be doing a slow burn. You'll be doing a slow burn. You go and you take the initiative and and they'll be doing a slow burn also, I should say. You say, well, what if they sinned against me? What if they sinned against me? Well, Matthew 18 says, if someone sins against you, you go to them and tell them. And that's where you need to, to remember that it's not going to be okay. Well, you know, that's I don't like doing that. I don't know anybody who does like doing that. But we are to obey anyway. Go to that person and uh, and you tell them. You might not be aware of this, but you've offended me. That's why Ephesians chapter 4 speaks about speaking the truth in love. Tell somebody the truth. It also says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, meaning take care of it now. Because it's what happens is you, if you go to sleep with that stuff, it just hardens in your heart. It, it forms some kind of concrete where it turns from anger to bitterness. And you think it's normal and you live like that. That's important. Pastor Steve Kreloff will have more from Colossians chapter 3 when we return next time with Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve is the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio versions of his messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. Visit us on the web at versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was the middle of a three-part message. To order a CD or cassette with the entire message, call us at 727 23